So with this episode, we are going to be wrapping up season four. And I have Leah and Adrian here with me, and we're going to do a Q&A together. First, I think we should just take a minute and reflect on the season. What do you guys think? We loved having you, Leah. You're a new addition, and we loved having you with us. I know so many girls have commented that they've loved this season in particular, and I think a huge part of that is because Leah's joined the team. She gives a good, fresh perspective to our single girl audience, and so I've been so thankful for you, Leah. Yes, me too. You guys are so sweet. I feel like this podcast has been just a gift to me. I think it's sweet to have just an outlet where I could share a lot of the lessons in singleness that God has taught me, especially over the past year. I feel like just the timing of getting to join y'all is just not a coincidence. So it's been a huge gift to me and I just love you guys. I know we just love you too. And I know I've said this before, but I think this podcast is a huge blessing in my life. I forget that there's even listeners on the other end because I feel so refreshed and encouraged by our guests and by you guys. And to me, I feel like God is using this podcast just in my own life. And there's people all the way on the other side listening that would say, God is using this podcast in their life, which is just wild. Yes, that is wild. And we want to give a little shout out to our listeners in Kuwait. Do you realize, y'all, that we have hit the charts in Kuwait? Ooh, Kuwait. I don't even think I'd be able to put Kuwait on a map. Like if you just gave me a map, no countries. I know it's in the Middle East, but I don't even think I could land it. We we see you and we are praying for you and we are just grateful you're listening in. And on the state side, y'all, we have a lot of listeners in California. So shout out to our listeners in <gasps> California, California girls. Woo, woo. So we are just so grateful that you guys have joined us. We're so uh, excited that you are enjoying our content and our guests. Man, we've had some amazing guests. I've loved each of our episodes this this season. And as always, if you guys have podcast ideas for the future, DM Kim, DM Leah, DM me. Just honestly, get in touch with one of us and give us some ideas for podcasts for season five. We would love to hear what you guys have in mind. Which brings me to our episode today. Today's episode content is going to be a Q&A, but this is a, a little shout out to Tisha and Jess's Bible study. They have been leading a Bible study with college girls, I mean, it seems like a decade. And where at? This is in Arkansas, okay, in, in Northwest Arkansas, and they have been reading through the Loving Your Husband Before You Even Have One book. And I got to Zoom in with their group. Um, just a few weeks ago. And it just, it's so fun. I don't know if you all know this, but groups that read um, my book, I just kind of pop in and say hi and do a little Q&A. And and it's just fun for me to see the people who are reading the book. And, but this group provided us with our questions today for our Q&A. I love it. Well, I think we should get after it because you guys provided us with a long list of questions. They really (laughs) did. So shout out to Tisha and Jess's Bible study. We're grateful for you. These are these are spicy questions too. These ladies are not joking around. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like joking around. I feel like so I gotta go with the first one. <laughs> okay, so they asked, "What do you do with a desire for sex or physical arousal as a single woman?" Leah, we'll just let you answer that one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, let me tell you about my sex physical arousal as a single woman. Um, well, I got to share this a little bit on the episode we recorded with Joy, 
Um, but something I've started to do is just to try to develop a positive relationship with my sex drive. Um, because it is a good thing. We were created as sexual beings. Um, and our desire for sexual intimacy is ultimately a desire for God, which if y'all are like, wait, what? I get it. I'm like, that's kind of a weird concept the first time you hear it. And I'm, I'm still like understanding it. Um, but something I have been trying to do is talk to my sexual desire, like a friend, like whenever I get turned on by something, I tried to talk to it and be like, Hey, like I hear you, you're good, but now it's just not the right time. Um, so for me, it's been trying to learn how to steward my, um, sexual desire, not view it as a negative thing, acknowledge it, not try to push it away or numb it, but just say like, Hey, like you're good. You're, you're there, but it's just not the right time yet. And that's been really helpful for me. So if anyone wants to try talking to your sex drive, let me know how it goes. <laughs> Leah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, to make it just a really positive thing. That's a good practical tip. And if you guys are wanting to know more about this topic, I mean, we did an entire episode on this idea. So good. Being single with a sex drive with authentic intimacies, Joy Skarka. So tune into last week's episode because I think it's going to answer probably all, if not most, of your questions about this topic. Yes, Adrian, that's so good. I mean, it was a whole episode and Joy is just a wealth of information and she has the experience and this is her heart. And so we loved getting to have that conversation with her. You know, and I think one of the things that we talked about that I think is so important is to develop a healthy understanding of sex. Over the years, I've been a proponent of pursue purity, and I still am saying that. But at the same time now, I, I really want to emphasize just the importance of, of developing a healthy respect of sex. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But like you were sharing earlier, Leah, it's like it's not time yet. And um, and to see it as a gift that God has given, I think it's important to build a healthy understanding of what the Bible says about sex and really develop a healthy respect for sex. And, you know, we build that from God's word. And you know, I mentioned this on the podcast last week, but I think one of the best studies that I've seen on this is Sex and the Single Girl by Dr. Julie Slattery. I think a girl can go through that study and really grow in her appreciation and respect of sex and um, and really kind of rewiring her brain as far as what is sex and why do we have it and why does God have boundaries in it? So I think that's a, that's a good way to um, handle some of these desires and um, that we have as single women. I love that, Kim. I feel like this ties into the next question they asked, but like, what does sexual purity look like in a married relationship? I feel like we could probably both speak into that a little bit. That's a a good question. I'm excited to hear y'all's answer. We should be following God's design for sex, whether we're single or married. So there are still guidelines to follow. And so there obviously, if you are married to someone, you're supposed to be pursuing your spouse and your spouse alone. So you have to be pure with every other relationship in your life. Like there's to be no sexual relationship with anyone outside of your spouse. So there's practicing purity in that way, sexually, but also emotionally. Like who are you connecting with that you work really close with? Or who are you connecting with that might be in your Bible study? And so really as a married woman, trying to be careful of who am I emotionally connecting with as well and not just thinking about purity as only like the physical or sexual component. Yeah, that's good, Adrian. And you know, what's so interesting is that the same skills I used as a single woman, I use as a married woman too. Let me give an example. So as a single girl, 
you know, I chose to limit all my sexual expression to my future husband. So now as a married woman, I limit all my sexual expression to my husband. And there's a lot of freedom in that. Um, and But it's all limited to my husband. And then when I was a single girl, I had to discipline my mind. You know, as a single woman, I tried not to feed my desires. I was careful about movies and books and stuff that I read so that I what it wasn't like creating this um, desire in me for sex that I couldn't righteously fulfill at that point in time. Um, but I would deal with my thoughts and Leah, again, you had that great idea, but I would deal with my thoughts. It's like, oh, we're not going there. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. But as a married woman, I also have to discipline my mind, but but this time it's to think about sex. You know, I'm not out there watching porn or reading, you know, erotic um, novels so I can desire my husband, but I'm choosing to think about my husband and I choose to think about sex that is a good thing for our marriage. And, you know, this is so funny, but it's so true. But our enemy's strategy is to get people to have sex before they're married. But then once they're married, he doesn't want you to have sex. And so it takes a discipline and the choices in your mind to fight the enemy, both as a single person and as a married. I just hate that about Satan. I'm like, why does he, why would he do that? Like make it, make you just want to have sex so badly when you, when it's not best. And then try to make you not want to when it is. Ugh, I, I know. I mean, it's crazy, but it's so true. And it's fun because Dr. Julie Slattery's come out with another book for married women, and it's called Passion Pursuit. And so both books are written to different, you know, um, women just in different seasons of life. But the goal is the same, is to, to develop a um, just a biblical view of sex and how God views it. And you walk away with it um, after reading it and studying it with a more positive view of what God was thinking when he designed sex. I'm glad you guys brought up the emotional purity side of being married. It reminds me of, um, after one of my relationships ended, like everything in me was wanting to reach back out to him. Um, cause I was just feeling lonely, missed him, um, like knew like why we had ended things, but it was just really hard. And I texted one of my friends about it and she was like, Hey, like if you build this habit of reaching out to guys, when you're feeling lonely or feeling like you're just wanting this emotional connection, like that's not going to stop when you get married. And it hit me hard. I was like, Oh my gosh, she's so right. And so I think that is one reason it's important to practice emotional, um, purity as a single woman, because that does translate into our habits in marriage. Oh, definitely. And people are just, different people. And so of course, like Dave is going to be different from some of my other friends, husbands. And so I can expect them to have different strengths and different weaknesses. And if I see a strength in some guy in my small group and I'm like, Oh, I really wish like Dave was like that. And then if I'm, you know, not disciplined in my mind and start to like wonder, then it's like, that is just sin and that is ugly. And I don't want to be feeding that. And so if you're practicing that as a single woman of guarding your heart and 
uh, keeping a lockdown of what you're letting on in your mind, it is going to pay dividends because you never have to stop doing that even when you get married. Oh, that's so true. And do you remember Julia Robinson talked about that in her episode? Yes. I'll link it in the notes below. But he, she just talked about how her um, her daughter's husband would like play with her hair. And, um, and she was like, I wish my husband would play with my hair. You know, and it just was so fun to hear this older godly woman process, um, you know, just that whole... Um, idea of, you know, disciplining your mind and to be grateful for the one that God has chosen for you. Mm, absolutely. So that is a perfect seg- segue. How do you know a guy is the one you are supposed to marry? Mm, good question. Good question. Mm, it is a good question. I feel like it's a question I have thought about a lot. Um, and all my thoughts on this, they're not original. <clears throat> They've come from like things that other people have told me, but I remember someone asking like, is he someone that you want to suffer with, which was kind of an intense thing. But I do think whenever you're dating, you can be into all the feels and the romance and how he makes you feel. And I think thinking about like, is he somebody I want to go through something really hard with, I think has been a helpful, like processing thing for me. Someone else told me like, is he someone you want to like travel the world with and do your taxes with? Like, do you like enjoy having like fun with him? Like, do you want to like go do fun things together? But then like the not fun things, like, is he somebody you would enjoy doing those things with? Um, I think something else I've been thinking about a lot, especially like just being like an older single girl, like I've dated a few guys that are younger than me. Um, and just thinking about that, like no guy is going to be perfect, but is he the type of guy I want to help become the godliest version of himself? over the course of his life like is he someone i want to come alongside and like help become who god wants him to be um and then vice versa like whoever i marry is going to be my biggest influence and so is he someone who can help me become the godliest version of myself the woman that god wants me to be um so those are a few questions that i'll think about whenever i'm dating a guy Ooh, those are good leah yeah i love that leah if i could add anything onto that it would just be hey what does wise godly counsel in my life say about this relationship you know maybe that's you asking a pastor maybe you have really godly parents and you want to ask them maybe you're inviting a mentor your small group hopefully all those people into that and just really getting a grasp on what those people in your life really think because you know your pastor's probably married your parents are married your um, maybe some other people in your small group are married and so getting a advice from other wise godly counsel who know about marriage and can speak into it. I think that's really good, Adrian. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, counsel is are like rear view mirrors. And whenever you're changing lanes, you have to rely on those rear view mirrors and side view mirrors, and you need a lot of different perspectives. And so I think it's very, very wise to involve other people in your process um, because sometimes they can see things that you don't. And I know that's been huge for us because we know a handful of people that are within their first, you know, three, four, five years of marriage, but there's not as many people down the road that are in year 20 or 30 or 40. And so I want to be asking those people about what qualities are important in a marriage because those are the people that have actually made it last. This is another good question, but just how can we encourage other women who are struggling with lust inside or outside of a current relationship? That's a great question. I, I think it's important that we let them know that we love and care for them and that we all struggle with it. It's, it's not like you're the only one. I mean, I think we all struggle with lust at one point or another. 
Um, but that lust isn't our, our best, you know, girls joke about it and, you know, kind of sugarcoat it a lot of different ways, but underneath it's lust. And the Bible is very specific. Um, Jesus spoke very specifically about, um, not lusting after people. I think it's helpful to share ways that you have dealt with it, like to be open and honest. It's like, Hey, I know it's tough. Here's something that I do. Um, but, you know, to to begin to think through the type of stuff that we're watching and reading. I mean, I feel like a broken record saying that, but it really does influence what we're putting in our mind, really does influence what comes out. And uh, we'd have to be aware of that. But I think uh, it's important to, you know, I don't know, you can kind of joke around with people, but it's like, girl, what you watching? It's like, you know, that's not going <laughs> to lead you where you want to go and be able to you know, just be good accountability and help people think, be there, be a rear view mirror or side view mirror for our, for friends and just say, man, you know, that less isn't going to get you where you want to go. If you want a lasting, enjoyable marriage, um, to be lusting after something that God hasn't given you is not the right direction. You know, one of the reasons we have the podcast is to have hopefully relevant content that maybe you could share with a friend. Like if, if she just doesn't really care about what she's watching or doing or looking at, and um, perhaps you could share this episode with her or other episodes that we have um, just to kind of get the conversation started. Um, we'll help you do the hard work. We'll talk about the, the hard things. But I think it's important that we have a trusted friend whom we can share our struggles with. You know, sometimes confessing sin to another trusted friend can just open the door to the dark closet and let the fresh air come in. And the Bible talks about that in the book of James, that we're to confess our sins to one another. But sometimes if there's a huge temptation or struggle with lust or something, if we bring a trusted friend in that to know about it, to be praying for us, that can really make a big difference sometimes. I mean, I have friends that I go to when I need to confess sin, and it makes a huge difference. I love that, Kim. Our next question says, what is your best piece of advice that you have from being engaged and in your first year of marriage? So my married, my married ladies over here, what would you say? Well, I can give you some advice, but again, this is coming from someone who's only been married three years, but I think this is something that I'm still learning to this day. And I wish like maybe I would have come in with a little bit more of this perspective, but just to learn your spouse and to let them learn you. There's lots of advice out there that you could take, but at the end of the day, you're married to your spouse and they're married to you. You know, everyone's so different. And so take it one day at a time and learning them and just be faithful to follow God and trust his best. Yeah, I think that's good. And I would really reiterate what you were saying about learning your spouse. I mean, okay, so Sean, I've been married for 25 years, and it's hard to remember our first year of marriage. But I wish if I could go back, I wish I would have written things down that I was learning about mm. Sean, things that he enjoyed, things that he didn't like. I mean, some of those things I keep in my mind, but now there's so many things that sometimes it's hard to keep it all straight. But I think just kind of almost journaling things that you're learning about your husband. And uh, I think that would be a really fun exercise to do. Gosh, they're so lucky to be married to you guys. You guys are awesome. Oh, <laughs> they're great Leah. too, but I love y'all. Well, we're this excited to good... see who God brings into your life too. Thank you. Um, this is another good question. It says, what are some ways to stay pure when dating long-term or through engagement? 
Okay. In my experience, the more your affections and love grows for someone, probably the harder it's going to be to stay pure. And so I know for me, like engagement was really hard in that regard. I mean, we quite literally set a date on the calendar to get married and have sex. Like it was there and you're like, okay, that's like 90 days from now. Great. Um, And so don't be afraid to increase your boundaries when temptation gets harder or, you know, increasing your level of accountability. And I remember there was a time where we were engaged and Dave and I decided, hey, we actually just weren't going to sit on the same couch together. I know that sounds like so weird. You're like, you're engaged and planning a wedding. What do you mean you can't sit on a couch together? (laughs) But we just, I mean, we just were taking purity seriously because we wanted to follow God seriously. It wasn't like, oh, we're like so afraid of crossing this boundary we made. It's like, no, we really want to honor God with everything that we're doing. And I think also remember in temptation that the Lord always gives us a way out. And so like God, he isn't the one that tempts us. Like that's not from God, that's from Satan. And so just remember there's always a way out from temptation. And so just knowing, Hey, like what ways do I want to set that I have exits out so that I'm not crossing into temptation? Mm -hmm. That's good. And you know what? Sean and I had to sit on different (laughs) couches too. (laughs) That's amazing. <laughs> and y'all might think we're crazy and that's fine. I'll just take my little crazy cell phone, my crazy husband, and we'll live our crazy life. But it 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 worked, you know. I mean, we just wanted to be uh, just, I don't know, make it just as easy as we can. And I'm telling you, when you get closer and closer to marriage, it gets tough. It gets really tough because you just, your, your emotions are becoming one. Your finances are becoming one. Everything's coming one. And your body just wants to do that too. And uh, so Sean and I um, really tried not to be alone late at night. Um, We always had roommates around. If we had to be in the house um, by ourselves, we had every window open. Um, I mean, we never went to each other's bedrooms. I mean, these are just things, these are not hard and fast rules, but they really helped us a lot. Um, We had to, you had your window open, Kim? Well, the curtains, you I'm your, sorry. The curtains <laughs> open. Like, yeah. I was like, why did you wish like love a good breeze? <laughs> <laughs> no, just the curtains and blinds. Curtains. Okay, just we gotcha. weren't trying to hide anything. And we even right. did some of our um we tried to do most of our dates in a public place. Just because it just I'm telling you, we were ready to become one. And in, in engagement, ways. you start to kind of talk, like you said, about yeah. joining your life together. And maybe there's a few weeks before your engagement where you, or before your marriage where you're talking more about like sex and intip- intimacy and maybe even planning out just some things like around your wedding night. Like, yeah. do you want to shower? Like, you know, having some expectations there. And so I know for me, like once we started talking about that, I'm like, oh, like I'm ready like tomorrow. Uh, but I'm like, we're not getting married tomorrow. So yeah. I need to like, you know, I need to Y'all want to hear something funny? (laughs) Sean and I did our little pre-marital talk like that. We were at Sonic. And uh, oh, we, I know we we With were, we were trying to stay. cherry limeade. <laughs> I was like, t- we had to listen to these tapes. You know, they're kind of like getting you ready for marriage. And oh, stuff. I love it. Cassette tapes. And That's amazing. I, I, I know I'm dating myself big time. But I had to I'm like, babe, turn it down just a little bit. I'm, I'm afraid people can hear. You guys are like eating mozzarella sticks and popcorn. Yes. Yeah. You're like I mean, uh, talking about like, sex. Yeah. Is, yeah. So anyway, good. so that was helpful. But you can laugh all you want. But you know what? It Worked. And I'm really grateful that we, you know, entered married marriage with, um, you know, 
We just, without some baggage. Oh, so. it's absolutely worth it. And I kind of play it, this like idea down the road. Like, I'm just like, hey, if there was like any ounce of, you know, there's some other like woman that like creeps into David's life or there's a man that creeps into mine. I'm glad I know that I went to every extent to protect my relationship with Dave, that I know if some man starts to creep into my life that I can do it. Like I can go to every extent yeah. to not cross any boundaries there and not give in to temptation. So I feel like it almost builds like a, a track record of self-control in your life. And yeah. That is a really, really good thing. It's yeah. not a weird thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Because self-control doesn't just naturally develop walking down the aisle. And so you have an opportunity to build trust with each other and self-control ahead of time. So that's really helpful. That's one of the best gifts you can give your spouse. Okay. So on that, Kim. I have one more thing to add about it. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So I didn't think about this. No one told me about this, but I'm going to tell y'all. Because I love when your southern accent comes out, by oh, the way. It's like that Arkansas y'all. It's like, <laughs> when, oh, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> when I get down to business, that's when it comes out. Oh, I love it. Keep okay. It going. So one day, um, if God brings a husband and you get married and um, he gives you kids, you are going to face your children in the eye, face to face, and they're going to ask you at some point, what did you and dad do? And you're going to need to answer them. And so... No one warned me about that. But y'all, that's some of the hardest conversations I've had in my life. Because you want the very best for your kids. And you know that they're going to follow your example. Um, and so it w- brought me great comfort to say, you know what? Your mom really me- messed up um, earlier in life. But I can tell you, your dad and I, we did it right. And it was worth it. And it paid off. And so I just really encourage you. I don't know if you're thinking about your future kids, but you're going to love them more than life itself. And they're going to want to know how you handled it. And so that's good accountability. That's good, Kim. So kind of on that note, as we're talking about boyfriend, fiance, all that stage, how do you approach finances with a boyfriend or with a fiance? Everybody's looking at me. (laughs) I was going to say, I haven't. I've never had that combo. All right. Well, when Sean and I started dating, I had been on my own for about 10 years or more, and I learned a lot about money. Uh, Money had been a divisive issue in my parents and their marriage. And so money was just really important to me. And I wanted to I I wanted to avoid some of the stuff that I had seen. And um, I think it's important to observe um, and ask questions when you're dating somebody or getting to know each other. I mean, you can watch how often does he use his credit card? You know, you know, if it, I mean, just making those simple observations. Like, yeah, you don't have to ask, how much is in your savings account? You don't have to ask that. You don't have to do stuff like, don't be weird, you know. <laughs> but just, you know, you can just kind of watch. It's like um, if he drives a new car, it's like, oh, I love your car. You know, as you get to know, it's like, well, um, how did, you know, was it fun buying a new car? And just find out what you know, did he go into debt and, you know, different things. I mean, you can make a lot of observations just doing life together. Um, But I think it's important to start asking questions like, what was it like? What was money like growing up in your home? Was it something y'all talked about? Did you not talk about it? Did you have a budget as a family? Did you not have a budget? Um, How does your family feel about debt? What about you? Have you ever done any financial Bible studies or anything? I mean, you're just getting to know each other. But once you get to the point of having a fiance, it's very, very vital um, that you you nail this money issue down. Because if you can nail down the money issue, um, 
you're going to skip over a lot of problems. And um, in my case, you know, Sean knew that money was a concern of mine and I brought it up to him um, and we talked about it. And then an opportunity came up for us to go through some financial training, um, planning, and um, and I brought it up to Sean, and he agreed because of everything we had discussed. But this was a very unique situation because the guy who brought it up to me was an old boyfriend. So basically, an old boyfriend was doing our financial counseling. And you can laugh, you know, with us. And from episode nine, his wife, um, who did the financial counseling with us, um, talks about it in that episode. So that's kind of a fun thing. But I'm telling you, it was a game changer. We went into our marriage walking down the aisle knowing what our budget would be after the honeymoon. And I mean, it was it was a game changer. And we had budget meetings um, probably about twice a year. Talk through our finances. We've got good communication. We started that pattern. And you have to start that um, early in your marriage. And in my case, I had to bring it up with Sean. Sean wasn't taking the lead, and I just had to express, hey, this is an important area for me. I feel like we should pursue. We need some training in the area of finances. And so. I love that when you brought it up, Sean was ready to go, okay, I want to learn more about this. Let's do this together. And so yes. this wasn't you like saying, I'm going to lead this thing, you right. know, but it was you saying, hey, this is important to me. And Sean going, I see it's important to you. Let's do it together. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I mean, I because girls are like, well, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to lead. But I think just as a, um, I think it's um, very healthy for a, a woman to voice her thoughts and her opinions and give the, the guy an opportunity to lead. And that's what happened in the situation. Okay, so you guys can both speak into this one, but how do you approach conflict with your boyfriend if you are both passive people? Hmm. Anyway, have you guys been in that scenario? Hmm. It's interesting because I'm naturally passive in conflict in everything except dating relationships. <laughs> so I don't know what happens, what comes over me, but I'm pretty direct when it comes I to I think it. you just get like all business mode, Leah. I think you're just like, I think I do. is this thing like going towards marriage or is it not? Yeah, <laughs> you're not messing around. Yes. No, I'm not messing around. And I really do. I value, I value conflict a lot in everything, but I think especially in a dating relationship, I think that you can really just get to know somebody well, um, by how they resolve conflict and like how those conversations go. They just conflict builds trust, um, more than anything else that I've experienced. And so I think that whenever you and your boyfriend can resolve conflict, it really does bring you closer together. Um, and yeah, I think that when it comes to a, a, the guy being more passive, I think by that, they mean like, he just doesn't initiate conflict. I think, you know, every guy has different strengths and weaknesses. And so if the guy is more naturally passive, he's probably has different strengths than a guy that maybe is more naturally will, you know, an, initiate it is very like conflict, um, based. Um, so I think my advice would just be to, to bring it up and have that conversation with them and be like, Hey, like I've, I have this concern about this. What do you think? And like, just kind of have that conversation with him and see what he says. Cause I think, you know, we all have things we need to grow in. So it might be something that he just, you could help him grow in. Um, but I think it would be important to observe that over the course of y'all dating to see if it's something he does grow in because however he resolves conflict in dating is probably a, uh, indicator of how it's going to be in marriage. And so if, if you're always having to be the one to initiate conflict, it's like 90 years of that, it's probably going to be draining. Yeah. Um, I, that's a good word, Leah. 
That's good. And it, and, you know, and if if it's a concern, you might consider, uh, you know, just saying, "Hey, what would you think about us reading a book on resolving conflict?" And just see what happens from that. Um, you know, I, I really like the book The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy, and I actually like the junior high version. It's the best read. The student easy. edition. The student edition. Yeah, uh-huh. I think. But it's, um, I just think it's super helpful, and it just you can get to know a lot of, about person, you know, by going through something like that. Um, that's a helpful resource. All right. Our next question is: After you got married, did you discover new things about your husband that were difficult to hear, and how did you handle it? It's hmm. a good question. I'll say definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's only been three years, but definitely because it's like when you get married to someone, you can't a hundred percent know the other person, right? We're not all knowing; only God is. And so, in some way, marriage is a faith decision. You are trusting God, and you're literally vowing to one another, to your spouse, with God as your witness, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, to love and cherish till death do you part. Like those are some pretty bold words to say to one another. And so, quite literally, those things will happen. Otherwise they wouldn't be in the vows and you're saying, Hey, I'm sticking with you no matter what. And so that's not to diminish, you know, the spouse that you choose or wanting, you know, to know that he's a godly man and all of those things. But I think just emphasizing you, you can expect to learn more about your spouse as you evolve and as he evolves. Yeah. And you know, people change. I'm so grateful. I'm a different woman than I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so people grow and develop and, you know, you find new interests. And, uh, you know, I had no idea that I had married a entrepreneur. I mean, that never came up anywhere in our uh, engagement, in our dating. I mean, it just didn't come up. And then in marriage, I discovered, oh, my husband is an entrepreneur. He loves to take one thing and multiply it and see it grow. And whether it's a dollar bill or a spiritual leader or a disciple, whatever it is. And um, and so that was kind of a transition in our marriage. But but that's part of the fun. I'm so grateful um, that he is that type of person. Because, I mean, entrepreneurs are the kind of guys who ask out older, taller women. And so I'm (laughs) grateful, you know, for um, a husband who thinks outside the box and creates opportunities and different things like that. But yes, people grow and they change. And I think that's just part of the fun. I mean, part of what, you know, again, we've been married for 25 years and our joke these days is like, you've changed, you've changed. I mean, it's almost like we've changed places. Like I used to be very diligent about my car and clean and no dishes in the sink and all this stuff. And the other day, Sean was like, man, your car is just really trashy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, how did that happen? What, where? And I think it was just kids, you know, you kind of get desensitized um, over those years. But anyway, but yes, that's part of the fun. And it is a step of faith. And at the core, I love everything that Sean is. And, um, and so it's just an adventure that we get to do together as we grow and change. This is another really, really good question. Um, it's, were you scared to show your body and scared to have sex after marriage? 
Ooh, that's a really good one. It is good. I'll let you handle it. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So in the garden, before sin even entered the world, when God created Adam and Eve, they were both naked and unashamed. And so that was my goal on the wedding night, is to be naked and unashamed. And anything on top of that was going to be a bonus. And so I say all that because the only reason we would fear showing our body and being intimate is ultimately a result of sin. And so that's not the way that God designed that. So if that's you, if you are feeling scared, if you are feeling ashamed, really read scripture and study God's idea for sex. I know we talked about that earlier in the beginning of the podcast and really just like relearning because you probably learned some things that aren't biblical and really relearn what God's design is. And I know some people are like, is it normal like to be scared? And I know that's like a really real thing and I'm no sex therapist, so I don't feel qualified to say it is normal. I have read though a lot of books on sex and I know that can be the case for some people that where they would be scared. But I also know for some people they may not. And so that could happen, that could not. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, as you pursue marriage together, if you're engaged, you're going to have... premarital counseling. And this would be a wonderful opportunity for you to talk with, um, you know, uh, if you have fears or concerns. Um, One of the things that Sean and I do is to have individual conversations with each the, you know, with Sean with the guy and me with the girl. And we just talk about, you know, how are you feeling going into the um, the wedding night and I answer questions, I share stories, you know, you can get really personal on that level one-to-one. And so hopefully, um, you know, that that's a part of your engagement is to, you know, have a couple investing and you process these because there are some things that you can, um, you know, talk about that can be really helpful on, on your wedding night. Um, you know, and this is one of the things too, that, uh, it's so easy for women to compare our bodies to other women. And so that a lot of times causes the insecurity about our own bodies. But the good thing about marrying a man who's disciplined um, to only show sexual expression with his with his wife is that, you know, he's going to discipline his mind that you're the only body that he sees. And so even though my body is not perfect, I am the one female body that Sean is free to look at. And I look pretty good to him. And so uh, that makes it fun. So anyway, that's another plug for marrying a man who um, wants what God wants. I love that, Kim. It's really, really good. I feel like I've definitely seen the benefits of that too. Yeah. Okay, Leah, I got a question for you. So what are some emotional boundaries that, you know, a woman would need to keep with a guy and, you know, whether that's a friend or someone that she's dating and how would she practically do that? That is a really good question. And I, yeah, I've worked closely with guys, different guys over the years. I've had good guy friends and yeah, I'm a big question girl. So I try to think of what questions I can ask myself that will just really reveal if I'm crossing an emotional boundary. And one of them is, would I tell him this if he was going on dates with someone else or had a girlfriend? Like, would I, would I be doing this or saying this, whatever it is, if he was pursuing somebody, because I think that reveals to me if I'm desiring either emotional connection or emotional support in a way that's like beyond friendship. Like if I would feel uncomfortable doing that, or I would be like, oh, I just wouldn't want to do that if he was dating somebody. I think that reveals like maybe you're desiring something more than what your relationship is. That is good advice. I love that. Very good advice. I remember saying to myself, it's like, would I be having this conversation if this man was married? 
this guy was married because that kind of changes things too. But I love how you said it. I think it's, yeah, it's really good. The next question is how do you keep your intimacy with God over your intimacy with your husband? Ooh, that's a really, really good question. I feel like I have experience in this of not doing this well all the time. And so just for a little bit of context, Dave is absolutely amazing. Like so amazing that it's easy for me to make him like a God, like a little G God in my life for how amazing he is. But because he is human, he will ultimately fail me. And then I'm reminded, oh, God, he won't fail me. Like literally he cannot, like he is God and he does things according to his will for my good. And he's trustworthy. He keeps every single promise that he makes and he is everlasting. Like he will never die. Like literally never, like, will I be apart from him? And so often in those times, like when I'm reminded that Dave is not God, that he is not an idol in my life, that he's not the ultimate, like one I can have intimacy with. I'm reminded that God is the one that fulfills all those things. So I feel like I've been undulating in that my entire marriage of, you know, placing all of my intimacy with Dave and then realizing, oh, that can only be fulfilled in a relationship with God. And then, you know, doing that and then going back to square one again. Yeah. So I'm still learning that. Wow. That's good. I, I, um, I'm trying to think about in my own life, I I just really enjoy my time alone with God each day, and it's looked differently over the years, you know, just being a mom, and, uh, you know, I mean, it has looked different, but now it's back to being a quiet time. I can actually get up and get a cup of tea and have a quiet time and read and journal and um, those types of things, but, but like what Adrian said, it's like that intimacy with God is so much deeper and satisfying. And it's actually that intimacy that really helps me be more intimate with Sean, that I'm not looking to Sean to fix me or, you know, I'm not complaining to Sean. I mean, I can kind of process all that stuff in my relationship with God. And um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like over the years, it's just kind of happens naturally. But it's funny because sometimes I'll be spending time with God and I'll sense that God is like, go love on your husband. And, uh, and so, you know, it, 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 um, my husband intimacy with my husband is still a priority, both emotional and physical. But, um, it's funny when you're spending time with God and you get that nudge, it's like, you go love on your man a little bit. Okay. Next question. If you're dating somebody long-term, when is it okay to think about the future and keep my thoughts pure? Okay. I'll throw a little disclaimer out. I don't know exactly what long-term means, but personally, I'm in the camp that if you're dating, you should be talking about heading towards the future if you guys are going towards marriage. So I think you can gradually be bringing those conversations up as you guys are both pursuing marriage together. Yeah. And I think if, you know, if the guy hasn't brought this up, I I would just say, Hey, you know, I've heard this thing about um, pre-engagement counseling, Um, you know, we're and you don't even have to call it that. It's like, you know, I've 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 uh, I've heard girls talk about it on those podcasts, but that it's valuable to get another couple, an older couple to kind of talk through just things with um, with younger couples. And so would you maybe be open to doing that? I know some churches even put on a program like that. I know there's a church in Dallas that talks about, hey, should you guys like merge your life together? And so it's for dating couples to process next steps. Yeah, it's called merge. And so, you know, again, like Adrian said, I don't know what long term is, but I think, you know, 
you know, after a period of time, a, a year or something that, you know, if, if he's not bringing these things up, I think you need to just say, Hey, I, I think, I think that would be valuable for us and just see how he responds. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Adrian? I mean, you know, you don't want to take the lead, but at the same time, you want to protect yourself. I mean, you don't want to be locked in with a guy who's just kind of playing games. Yeah. And I know in the book, like Outdated by Jonathan Pakluda, he just talks about dating should be an interview process towards marriage. And so at some point, if the interview is not, if you don't want the job, you need to quit the job. You know, you need to end there the relationship. Go. And so if the interview process is really long and it's not moving towards marriage, then, you know, either say like, hey, is this going somewhere? Is it not? And if it's not going anywhere, you don't want to be married to that man. Yeah. Or just, you know, um, in this long term relationship with a guy, if he's not going to fish or cut bait. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah. So I know that can be hard for people, especially if you like dated in high school and you're dating in college and you're like, hey, I'm not going to get married till after you graduate. I understand why you might be like pumping the brakes on some of those conversations because maybe you can't afford um, mm-hmm. or your parents are like, hey, I want you to finish school before getting married. And so I know that can also like add some complications in there. But if that is you, again, consider like asking a wise counsel in your life of, exactly. hey, we're dating. Here's our specific scenario. Either we have talked about the future. We haven't what do we do and see what they would say I think that's really good that's really good and a matter of fact I mean just even with all these questions you know hopefully this catalyst I mean I'm sorry hopefully this podcast is a catalyst we talk about different things we discuss them we give you ideas to think about but we hope that we're not the only mentors in your life we hope that you have a flesh and blood mentor that you are um, building a relationship with and learning from, or maybe a few different mentors. Um, Because, you know, there's no black and white answer to a lot of these questions. And so, I mean, there are biblical principles, but it's, it's good to be able to process this with people who know you and your situation a lot better. And you know what, that probably gives us a good point to wrap up. These questions have been amazing. Shout out again to Tisha and Jess's Bible study and all the girls there. Thank you so much for helping us create um, this episode. And we're grateful for you. And we hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you have um, have some things to think about. If you have any questions or concerns or ideas, be sure and email us or message us on Instagram. I've got all that, all our contact information um, noted below, but we just celebrate with you on just such a great season. Thank you so much. We're so grateful that you um, are finding this information helpful and we just love being able to be a part of your life. We're cheering you on. We care about you. We love you. We pray for you and uh, we look forward to the next season. We'll take a break and we'll resume back um, in mid-January. So we still have a lot to talk about. So we'll look forward to seeing you then.